0: Welcome to the Red Pill Training Podcast, brought to you by James Jowsey Training, 3D Physiotherapy, and the Mansfield Sports Institute. Gemma, James, and Phil, delivering topical podcasts on fitness, nutrition, health, lifestyle, training, and sports.
1: Good morning, team. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Alright.
1: Alright son. <laughs> How
0: is everyone? Delightful. Fresh as a daisy. How's your back?
2: Really good.
0: Your back's really good. I'm fine. That's nice to hear.
2: How's your back?
0: My back? It's always good, mate. Just bone. <laughs> <laughs> and some metal. <laughs> and some metal, yeah.
2: Yeah. Good.
0: Excellent. So the old Silla today. the old Silla Black. <laughs> <laughs> He's in
1: her all week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, not Jack Black. No Silla.
1: Yeah, she a wedged Yeah. Wasn't
0: Whitesman. Yeah, She's quite, isn't she? Is she?
1: Yeah. I didn't know. It. Oh, you've been in Denmark, haven't you?
0: Yeah, I mean we don't have news. <laughs> TVs. Yeah, we don't have TVs mm-hmm. on news. So. Well, we do uh, like,
1: yeah. She was famous over here, wasn't she? I know. We
0: blind date, mate.
1: Well, exactly, wasn't in Denmark, was it? Oh no. So then yeah. I'm gonna go. Oh, the blind date was uh, from the UK? dad. She was bigger than that,
2: though, wasn't she? Wasn't well, she? she
1: was a singer, wasn't she? Wow. Yeah, but it was she out. sung. <laughs> wow. <Well, yeah. laughs>
0: There's a difference between a singer and and. and
1: <laughs> and singing, did she make it worldwide, like? Or was she just like, UK?
0: What was her, what was her hit? What, what did she do?
2: <laughs> I think she made America. Da-da, Is that one, uh, Yeah. Right? In, in her youth. She, I, I'm... She made America, did she? Yeah. They made so a documentary about that.
0: Sheridan she did. Smith did a whole thing. We used to, we used to call her now? <laughs> Go on. What
2: did you call Cilla Black?
0: Rusty crutch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You've just been sort of a national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> was this when you were younger, or, like?
0: Kind of cousin Greg. <laughs> cousin Greg. Cousin
2: Greg. <laughs> Good.
0: So we're talking about the and when Cilla Black goes wrong
2: yeah I really just worked out what that means back I was like Kaz is all going to be right
1: no, it's no, like my
2: gosh.
1: hey look Kaz is choosing
0: um, um, <laughs> no, Charter of recordings out. no 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 <laughs> I think we should
1: keep her in i yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. keep her in for this yeah. the producer <laughs> the producer let just calm down.
2: <laughs> I wonder why we're talking about a cinnamon. Or rusty stuff. Rusty slack.
1: Oh, I'm keeping it. staying <laughs> in it. Yeah. For those of you who haven't
0: switched off. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are still with us, talk about the very serious ailment of uh, low back pain.
2: Disc pathology specifically.
0: Disc pathology specifically.
1: When is it or when isn't it?
2: That's the question.
1: So when is it? Sure <laughs> <Trends> the <of> point. <laughs> yeah. What's your experience with it?
2: Well, I think you've got to define it first. So a disc is the spongy material in between the vertebral bodies and it allows for movement of the spine, nutrients to the surrounding structures, etc. And you've got inside the disc, you've got a nucleus, which is like toothpaste consistency gel. And then around the outside, you've got lots of really thick collagen fibres like tyre structure. And the, the, the Disc pathology—it's either you hear it being called a prolapse or a disc herniation or a disc extrusion—and it essentially means that disc material is not where it should be. The time that you would be more concerned about that is if you were getting pain associated with—if it was a lower back, for example—you'd be getting leg pain. So that would be where the disc material is either very close to the nerve, or contacting the nerve, or completely compressing it, and that would be called a radiculopathy, so radicular pain, like sciatica is the common one that we see, or we get it in the arm, which Mr. Mansfield has some experience with.
0: Quite a lot of experience, yeah. Um, I, I think... I mean, if we took healthy individuals, so-called healthy individuals, and scanned them. Yes. Right. Like, as when I say healthy, no pain, yep. reporting nothing.
2: Asymptomatics.
0: Asymptomatics. We'd see, we could diagnose this disc pathology.
2: We would diagnose.
0: We would diagnose. So, so yeah. are, how are we, I mean, we, how are we defining this pathology? Are we defining this pathology in the sense of there is an abnormality within the disc? Or are we defining disc pathology as something hurts?
2: Disc pathology as something hurts. Because if asymptomatic... if you So the statistics say that 20% of people in their 20s have got a disc pathology that they don't know anything about. Mm. Um, they haven't actually defined within that those studies whether that means they've got any back pain or whether they've got back pain but no leg pain, for example. But yeah. um, we're assuming that they don't have have symptoms at all but that is just a normal part of our human process the fact that discs change so I wouldn't be worried about that it's when it's associated with pain so disc material in an incorrect place can cause pain just in the back or it can cause pain associated with peripheral symptoms so like arms or legs that's when we're we're involved.
1: So, basically, just to, like, that statistic that you gave there mm-hmm. about so that 20% of people have, in, in, the tw- their 20s. In, in their 20s. That
2: increases as you get older as well. Yeah.
1: Have a prolapse disc.
2: I have a disc.
1: Disc protrusion issue. pathology, Pathology. Yeah. But zero pain.
2: That they have nothing that they don't know about, yeah. They they're asymptomatic. About. So,
1: therefore, people out there that suffer with back pain.
2: Yeah.
1: Don't or in almost a positive way for them, they don't need to assume the worst.
2: No, absolutely. That
1: all pain that they are suffering it, or is attributed to that disc. No, absolutely. But because that can be... Completely no,
2: normal. normal, yeah.
1: That disc can be damaged, but still have no pain. But
2: I wouldn't even say it was damaged. I mm-hmm. would just say that it's part of a normal process, because disc material can move in and out. So you might scan it on one day and then a couple of weeks later you could scan it again and the disc material would be depending
0: on what you know yes. several things isn't it the first hydration disc hydration will yep. alter um, the disc shape and then the way that this looks it can um, do, it can do. Yep. yeah in the yeah. morning and to the
2: yeah. evening it could yeah. change
0: yeah it could change um i think the i think jim well yeah what jim was saying is is two plus two isn't always four um, it rarely is,
2: yeah, when know. it comes to backs and back
0: pain. Yeah. Um, I think the other side of things, just just to give examples on on the opposite side, is as you know, I've had my fair share of diagnosed prolapses um, and stenosis, um, and as the result of stenosis, have fusions and not many discs left from C zero to to C eight. Um, yes.
2: Just to confirm, the stenosis, where you are defining that as narrowing of the canals in which the nerves travel out from. Yeah. yeah, hardening
0: of the yeah hardening of the disc through hard you know the stenosis. For me, I would always define stenosis as a bulge gone hard. You know, a non a non living almost it's sort of the the fact when when the, the disc protrusion comes, it then begins to not recognize itself between the bone and the disc anymore. Like a disc
2: osteophytic bar. Yes, where it's osteofficient. Yeah, yes. exactly.
0: And um, so and so and so that that stenosis there was quite it's quite interesting. That I was diagnosed with C2, C three, C three, C4, which which was stenosis to the point where we the only option really was fusion. And um, and what was quite interesting was when they were in there they saw all the other disc prolapses as we've been talking about the asymptomatic disc prolapses. And I had one at C6, C7, uh, which looks quite old and had been there for for a while. And what was interesting about that was that was almost asymptomatic, um, but caused damage, if you see what I mean. Um, So at the time, it had caused scarring, and the um, if you look in an MRI scan, you've got the sort of the, the black bits and then you've got the white bit in the middle, which is the cord, and then in the cord there you can see the sort of you'll, you'll be able to identify little black dots, which is best way to describe it is a scarring within the spinal cord and the protrusions there that didn't give symptoms cause scarring. Now I've had fusions and I don't have the disc left and there actually isn't any pressure left on the spinal cord because of the way, but the scarring is still there and the symptoms of that scarring I do get now, three or four years down the line, so there is still that element that we potentially have to look at and say that it might not be. A, it might be asymptomatic now, but it might not always be.
2: Yeah, but the majority of people that have got disc protrusions or disc prolapses don't go on to have any symptoms. Agree okay, like that totally. Yeah, okay, totally. I'm that's... just saying it's not. Yeah, exclusive. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But I would say. I mean, the, the statistics say that 90% of people with disc, with symptomatic discs in, so disc, disc prolapses don't go on to have any sort of surgical intervention. But yeah, certainly there are other, other the other percentage potentially go on to have other, other sort of problems. Problems, yeah.
1: So we keep obviously mentioning asymptomatic and symptomatic. So in terms of symptoms, and what are the most common symptoms of a, of a prolapse that, that lead us, especially, let's say, the lower back. Yeah, we'll okay. lower back. So what are the most common symptoms where you like, right, I highly suspect that this is more disc, whereas these symptoms aren't necessarily the ones that you need to be worried about.
2: So if someone comes to me with leg pain either say classically it'll be back of the leg or sometimes it can be anywhere within the leg but it's usually a line of pain going from the back of the leg all the way down it's usually past the knee as well that's a really key point to say um then that's nerve root pain or more than likely to be nerve root pain if you've got a whole line of pain going all the way down um additionally you might get symptoms of paresthesia so things like pins and needles numbness tingling that sort of thing You might get associated symptoms like weakness in a certain part of your leg, um, which again would potentially indicate that the disc is contacting the nerve and interrupting the nerve signals that are going to the muscles and supplying the muscles. So that would be a sign that there'd perhaps been more compression on the nerve. So sometimes a nerve can be irritated by disc material because material in in the disc is an irritant but it's not compromised so the nerve can still work so it'll still have normal sensation and normal power etc but it's irritated so you'll still get pain associated with it or you can get neural changes so things like sensation changes or weakness for example so those would be the signs that i can say you've certainly got a disc
0: yeah from a from a sufferer's perspective i think the biggest difference is back pain you usually feel like you want to lay down and offload the back disc pain. You feel like you just, you got, I call it the midnight walks, the disc prolapse walks. Like, you, you don't want to be, you, you don't know where to put yourself. So, I mean, I just, just can remember nights and nights and nights of just walking up and down my living room. The only way I could get comfortable was, the only way I could sleep was walking. <laughs> like, I wasn't sleeping, but it was the only way my head could get any kind of relaxation from the pain was just to walk up and down. And I think that, that is a classic. This, most people who have been through the sort of prolapse phase will talk, talk tell you about what I call the midnight walks,
2: and actually that's probably one of the more sort of important signs in terms of when you're thinking about referring on. So if someone has quite, if you're a coach for example, or, or someone that's training somebody in the gym, and someone's describing quite significant night pain, that's when I would I certainly wouldn't hang on to somebody like that. I would.
0: Be thinking about referring, referring yeah. In yeah. I think the I think the, the the this all quite doom and gloom at the moment, and to, to flip it around and turn it to the positive side, of things as you say, Jim. And very few do end up on the surgical table. Very few, um, very few do end up with chronic problems, and most. I mean, I'm sure you've got a nerdy statistic for us, but most prolapses do fix themselves or fix themselves through training and. And what's really tough for the doctors and the physios working with with this pathology is getting the buy in from the patient. They to just wait two years because well, in two, you know in two years they're gone. But yeah. and it, it actually in six weeks it's a lot better.
2: Most people are yeah. Most people are are, are better within. They say it's between ninety and ninety five percent of people will completely resolve within three months without yeah. any intervention. Yeah. But the remaining people are more than likely gonna be completely better within within two years. Yeah. But ninety to ninety five percent of people being better within three months, so I appreciate three months is still a long time. It's more than likely. The problem is, there.
0: is is it's so much pain. Yeah. And it's so difficult to logically talk to someone with that much pain and say you are going to get better and it's not dangerous like trying to get that over to someone in that much pain is so difficult and you almost feel like you're being fogged off and you feel like they don't want to spend the money on the health service and they don't want to treat me and they don't want to look after me but actually it is the best thing you can do is wait like
2: yeah
0: yeah uh, but but that's difficult to communicate that message yeah. so in that six weeks team in that six to 12 week period Exercise is nearly proven to be the best thing they could do. Um, it certainly is. Um, yeah. It certainly is proven or it certainly is nearly proven. It, no, it
2: is proven. Yeah, to you be. think it so? Is, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean it, it, you don't think, I'm convinced hundred yes. percent.
2: I just think there will be still some from the old no, the old doc's. I think we're, I mean, mean the I don't look at old research anymore <laughs> because there's just no point. No, no, so, but I know a couple of doctors that have still got
0: him. Well I mean they're
2: wrong, so
0: they are wrong. Yeah, are absolutely. Wrong.
2: And they're wrong by research, so yeah we can ignore.
0: Will him? No, no name No, name him. Team.
2: <laughs> no, team,
0: no. We don't need to present those names. But on that note, I mean, I will call him out. I'm not going to say his name, but he went in, he looked at a guy who spent his whole life living from sport, earns his living from sport, takes a lot, you know, trains every single day of his life and looked at him and went, yeah, you just need us to put metal from the top to the bottom and you never need to do any sport again in your life and you'll be fine. And... Uh, I looked at him and said, uh, "Which way do I go? <laughs> How do I get out of here?" Sort of, you know, and went and found a, a mob. So there, you do yeah. still find them. And I think, to be honest, if you ever hear that from any doctor in the world, like just walk out.
2: In most uh, i admit perhaps lucky, but the consultants that we worked with were very conservative in terms of.
0: Oh yeah. They yeah. I mean, I was just unlucky to yeah. be put into. Yeah. Is that like your last one? My last, this the last. This, I mean, that first was, the first doctor I saw for this like, last operation, this, this last operation that I had was just like, hot, like, yeah. Anyway, I've told you the story. Wow. Yeah.
2: No. No. Exercise is great. So yes. there most a lot of the research will say within the first period, maybe the first few days of an acute onset is rest to allow for for pain. So rest within the limits of pain. So yeah. don't lie down and, and do nothing. But if standing up and walking causes excruciating pain, then obviously you're going to lay off from that. But if you can get up and move around, then, then certainly that's the best thing to do. And then progressive exercise from there. Some people, I don't know if, if perhaps you guys have found this, will have a directional preference. So things like bending forward or tying shoelaces or sitting usually make people worse with a disc prolapse, yeah. but standing up and walking make people better. So I... When you're thinking about coaching, we try and use some of these tactics, use people's directional preference if they've got one, and try and get them moving in a, it might not even be pain-free, but the things that don't aggravate their peripheral symptoms, so don't aggravate their leg pain, don't aggravate their arm pain. If it's aggravating those symptoms, you're probably aggravating the disc a bit more. If it's yeah. bringing the symptoms more centrally, then arguably. So it's the acute okay.
0: phase. Yes. So, but we agree in exercise is good. We are. So, what are we doing? So, let's just deal with low back pain. Um, let's have a look at low back pain. What sort of exercise stress is up I'm not talking about. We've, we've done the initial acute mm. pain phase. So, are we deadlifting? Are we squatting? Are we running? Are we swimming? Are we. Bouncing on a little bouncy ball that does not a lot for us. Are we? Are we? What are we that doing? Does not a lot for us now. Sorry. Um, are we rolling around on floor? What? 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 What are
1: we doing? free movement. Ideally specific to close to what you like doing as it is. So if you're a runner and you've got a problem, then maybe it's just a walk. Maybe it's a light jog. If you're uh, CrossFit, and you like squatting and yeah maybe you might want a bar on your back but maybe it's some air squats to partial range getting up and down out of a chair and everything like that but it's still it's still Move moving in.
2: there is research certainly to say that things like core strengthening will improve your back pain and your back pain with disc herniations because there's evidence to say that people with disc herniations have reduced muscular capacity in the core. So arguably strengthening is useful. How specific that research is in terms of when they're looking at athletes, I don't know, but as a general population.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that how, I mean, of course that's right. But why that annoys me. Is is it's not the core, is it? It's just the general deconditioning of the body. It's yes. Not it's not they've just measured the core, but their legs are just as weak. Yeah,
2: they haven't uh, looked anywhere else. Yeah. yeah, they haven't
0: looked anywhere else. And I think what what tends to wind me up is it's sort of the it's just the go to thing for a lot a lot. It's just like
1: it's the nearest muscle to the area. Well, yeah, well no, it's just so, it's in
0: everything, you know. Um, got a headache, so it's just because it's your core weak you know if for me there's a lot of it there could be a lot more better work done than just training your core i mean one one classic example is the TVA the TVA in you know, a lot of it doesn't even exist we've I mean, got all this research based around TVA and pelvic floor activation and core activation and cadaver shows us that we don't have a TVA or not everybody has a TVA it's very rare that anyone has a TVA um, and, and, and activation and lying, static activation, in my anecdotal experience of treating disc, disc pathology, makes it worse. Moving, you know, and uh, lunging, squatting, stepping has a better effect than isolating and focusing on the core itself. I agree. Um, and, 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 but the indirect effect of loading the core <laughs> makes it better. Yes. If you're having the musculature around the back or around the disc, that yes.
2: And I think the difficulty is there isn't research to compare that. There no. isn't no, nobody's done that, have they? They've only no. compared. So somebody at one point has said, "Oh, if we strengthen this muscle, it improves this." And more people have just done the same research in that. There's no, been no additional branching out into other things. Um, there's a small study looking at how running. Um, walking fast walking and jogging can um change disc health so um fast walking and jogging marathon and runners etc actually have better disc health than people that sit for long periods of time for example or don't do any running yeah. at all um,
0: but but of course that ties into the healthy lifestyle yeah yeah exactly like to eat well and there's there's so much there's so much else in that okay. yeah
2: yeah um but there's no other research in terms of they haven't just compared it to somebody, not that I'm aware of, perhaps there is, but they haven't just gone and compared it with somebody saying, right, well, I'm a CrossFitter or I'm a runner, for example. Yeah. I'm going to go back to doing similar sports.
0: So build up. How do we build up a program? How do we, uh, someone's listening at home and they're coming back from, how did this prolapse? Uh, what are the avoids? What are the go-tos? Like let's be a little bit more specific. We've been quite general, I think, in our advice. Um, Let's be a little bit more specific. I mean, I think avoiding massive loads, massive loads is obvious.
2: Avoid high impact.
0: Avoid landing. Avoiding high speeds uh, would be would be the obvious ones to me. Anything else you guys would have in there?
2: I would probably avoid things like. Flexion, compression, and torsion at the same time—so bending, and lifting, and twisting—all at the same time is yeah. probably advisable. Well, the rotation
0: is interesting, isn't it? I mean, yes. I mean, there would be a theory that there's actually probably the most amount of lower back disc research would be done on flexion. Yes. And most disc prolapses in the lower back would be attributed to flexion. Um, and. And excessive amounts of flexion and repetitive amounts of flexion which I just don't agree with um, I think it's more likely to be rotation uh, than it is rotation with flexion that's likely to cause it rather than the flexion itself which might be a little bit pedantic but I just think the details are important that, that the angular disc pressure there is, is more likely to come with the rotations of the of the lift than the flexions
2: and possibly why you usually you can get more Paracentral dispertrusions rather than central distribution My point so, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we're avoiding the speeds, the landing, the the multi-plane motions probably at once. The sort of bends and rotation, the bends and twists. So, what are we doing, JJ?
1: What are we doing? Mobilisation of uh, structures above and below. Good point. To uh, take away any stress, because <clears throat> the disc that's prolapsing is only because the disc prolapsing is only because there's too much motion going through that disc. A disc that's not moving isn't going to prolapse. So we it is, yeah. Excessive motion there pushes it out. So why? Is excessive motion going there? That's the game. That's what you need to get yourself to your physiotherapist. Your if, if you're lucky to have a coach who who understands the exercise well and can see these things, like is your are your hips absorbing, doing everything that they can within your sporting environment? Is your upper back moving well? Because good function above and below the site of injury will take away that stress from that lower back. And we know our hips that move well, a thoracic spine that moves well, allows the abdominal core musculature, as we like to, as everyone likes to uh, bracket it, to uh, be able to stabilize the rotational forces, um, which we've, we've said the rotational forces cause, cause low back pain. So now, with a thoracic spine that rotates, the, the abdominals can control this and help protect. That back
2: spot absolutely
0: yeah we so it's, it's, it's excessive motion um, it's excessive poor controlled motion that's causing the back pain so stiff thoracic spine stiff hips create motion so we talked about exercise we haven't really covered and we won't say uh, mobility Joustie because I know you're you're not a mobility coach are you
1: not a mobility coach no
0: um, so it's important that we don't we don't ask you this question but having a sufficient range of motion through the yeah. hips and having and not having hypo I mean, what you're saying is a hypermobility mobility usually follows a hypo mobility, so stiff hips high, yeah, excess motion at the lower back is compensatory yeah. so would that be one of the things you'd be looking at as well as well as a good strengthening plan um, what would you be looking at the hips
1: yeah, flexibility of the hips, but then also stability and strength of the hips. So that, if it's, like we said, with with runners that run at faster speeds and can have lower back pain, any of those ground reaction forces coming up through the body, can that force be dissipated at the hips? Or are those hips so stiff that that, that force bypasses and goes into the lower back? So yeah, that is where the flexibility of the, the pelvis needs to be able to um allow that motion to be to be absorbed um, through, through bigger ranges definitely absolutely
0: so we're looking at controlled lunging motion always lunging you like um, a lunge don't you mate
1: of air keeps the doctor away <laughs> change it. neck screw. keeps the away. Move the apples yeah it's all about lunging it's breathing balance exercises for sure. I see that a lot, actually, people like, well, it's not disc prolapses now, but people with back pain out there, because hopefully we've kind of covered that maybe your back pain, don't worry, it's not necessarily disc-related. Like, it's just a backache. The amount of people that I get that get back pain from just standing up, Yeah. like standing up too long, and when you actually assess them, they physically ask them to stand on one leg, and they struggle to stand on one leg. So that fundamental skill of standing they've actually lost capacity of and the result of increasing balance is actually ease the back pain down um, as simple as it, it sound. Be, as it may yeah. sound but you're assessing them doing what causes pain which is standing
0: so the coaches out there then the coaches listening, going class Monday night athlete pain low back what what are we advising them? What is it they should be doing? Should they, of course, they're listening. I mean, but but when do we say, carry on, John? And when do we say, look, I think you should start
2: and go? So in terms of referring on, I would say with things like um, leg or arm pain with paresthesia, so pins and needles, numbness, weakness associated with that, would be a good time to refer on. Um, there are more urgent but really um infrequent or very uncommon signs. So there are, if you had any of these symptoms, you would take yourself down to A&E pretty quickly. Um, So things like bladder changes or bowel disturbance, urinary retention, so being unable to pass water, or numbness in between your legs in your saddle area or genital area, or a loss of control of your legs on both legs, as in they're not following what you're asking them to do. Then they're signs of more serious conditions to do with a disc and they would require urgent any attention. Don't pass from, go. From a
0: neck perspective, like shortness of breath as well, yeah. uh, and then shooting pain in the arm, shortness of breath. But you do that anyway because there's similar signs to heart attack. Yeah. So so they're, they're very, very normal.
2: And I've only seen two in 10 years. I mean, it's not a common thing, but it's just something to be aware of if you did walk. Well, so, so
1: any other back pain carry-on training? So, um... People obviously then report the common things that I see with people are people doing a workout and they feel like their lower back is just burning up, burning out. And it starts to get really stiff. Like that stiffness is literally just all the blood flow going to the back because the back muscles are getting pumped effectively. Um, filling the blood, they're doing too much, overworking. And therefore, um, yeah, that... Is not a problem with the disc. That is a problem with your your movement efficiency. So you're actually just overusing the back muscles because it's deadlifting. You don't use use hamstrings uh, well enough, so they're not assisting the movement, and all the work is going to the back. So that's that's quite a normal sensation. Nothing to be scared of. You just need to go work with your coach if he can help um, work on your technique and and yeah you'll be fine uh, drop the weight down a little bit and yeah both well yeah i think there's something
0: else uh, just i'd like to I'd like to jump in I think it is not controversial in terms of uh, in terms of mega controversial but it is something that i think the hip flexors i think anterior hip get a bad press in all of this i think it's overused and over talked about and over diagnosed like we with adaptive shortening is usually adaptive shortening under load. Sitting at a desk doesn't necessarily give you the short hip flexors that the press and the physio world, physio world the training world likes to give us. Sitting at a desk with in a flexion position, loads and sits with tension in the posterior capsule. the posterior musculature of the hip it's more likely that the posterior musculature is stiff tight and giving bad mechanics and back pain than it is the anterior or the front side like this you know you've you're only got to go through facebook to see sort of the, the circus show on hip flexor stretches and the one stretch everybody should be doing to save their lives it's not it really isn't it's very rare you see a tight hip flexor if you assess it in function and if you assess it in motion. But it's nearly everybody that has the tight posterior hip. Um, so that's the other thing I think is really important to get out of there is that banging on at the hip flexor's door. You're knocking on the wrong door. No one's going to answer. The house was sold. <laughs> you know, sorry, they've moved.
1: Um but yeah. if the hip flexor was that tight, you couldn't stand upright, could you? No, exactly, like exactly. You're already, you're already displaying that you've got hip extension, Yeah, like it's not it's not a reduction there. No.
0: Um, so that's the other thing for coaches and people that are looking at, it, he's a good posterior hip stretch, so it goes a long way to helping a lot. Great. Thanks for see. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to come and join us on our Red Pill Movement Assessors course, we'll be teaching you the biomechanical assessment procedure designed by James Jowsey and Phil Mansfield. There have two dates left this year, the 23rd and 24th of June in Whatever It Takes London, which is selling fast, so uh, book up, or the 27th and the 28th of October in Reebok CrossFit Nuremberg. Look forward to seeing you there.